NowVeryBad.com presents Now Very Beast, Iron Maiden, The Next Ten Years. Host, Michael Ford Feeney. Hello again, and welcome to Now Very Beast, Iron Maiden, The Next Ten Years, Episode 10, NVB 10. You know what that means? That means we're at the last entry of the first series, the first 10 years series, part 10. That means after today, we're off book. I can no longer stand on Nico's roomy shoulders. Sadly, I will be having to take over everything from here on out. It's going to be a lot more difficult. I don't have that roadmap. Well, that's not entirely true. There actually was a hidden, not a lot of people know that, part 11. But we'll talk about that later. But it's a very exciting time. Going to wrap up this series, the the first 10 years series, and then we're going to be getting into what this uh, podcast was really set out to do, which was to update the series, to have the second 10 years and the third 10 years and the fourth 10 years. And meanwhile, while I've been running this show, they're having another album come out. So I'm going to get to even go into the fifth 10 years. Can you believe that? Unreal. This is a good time to be alive. So in the next few weeks, as we get ready to go into series two, we're going to have possibly, I might do a, a series one recap. You know, just a, a short sort of thing, just go over what we've done, what the plan is going forward, talking about developing the artwork for the releases that will actually be coming out. We're going to have an album release special. When the new record comes out a week from now, we're going to do a special about that. How could we not? Maybe a few little... Uh, surprises in between now and then as well. But today we're dealing with Iron 10, the first 10 years, part 10. The Clairvoyant and Infinite Dreams, both live releases, but not from the same show. Iron 10 was released April 16th, 1990, reached a chart position of 11. Not bad, but not as good as the singles themselves did. They were both top 10 singles. And depending on how you want to look at it, these are either the third and fourth singles from the album Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, or the third single and the first single from Maiden England, which is how I look at it. However you want to think about it, we've got two live shows, Monsters of Rock and Donington, and a few months later, they were played at the NEC in Birmingham and recorded it and put it out as a live video made in England. Clairvoyant Live was released as a 7 and a 12 inch single on November 7th, 1988. And as I say, was a top 10 release, made it to position of number six. This was coming out Wow, gotta be seven months after the Seventh Son of a Seventh Son album was out. 
So it's not really a promotional item for the Seventh Son album at that point. The main reason this was out was sort of to celebrate them playing the Monsters of Rock Festival in Donington. So this was a three-track single, two if you got the seven. You got the Clairvoyant Live, the B-side being the Prisoner Live, also at, at Donington, the Monsters of Rock. And on the 12, you got a third single, Heaven Can Wait. Oh, one of my favorites of all time. Love Heaven Can Wait. So they headline Monsters of Rock, as I said, uh, at Donington on August 20th, 1988. So it was their first time actually playing this festival. Rod talks about how he didn't really want to do the show until they could headline it, which is what they did on this day. Pretty impressive considering some of the other bands on the bill, Kiss, David Lee Roth, and the Ascendant Guns N' Roses. It's quite a gig. But I did want to take a minute to talk about this festival because I've always found it a little bit confusing. And there's this sort of majestic, hushed whisper sort of way that people talk about Castle Donington, Castle Donington. Ooh. And uh, not, not dissimilar, oddly enough, or coincidentally enough, to how people talk about Budokan. And I was just re-watching the History of Maiden Part 3 video that they put out, and they're talking about how Budokan, they were very excited to play that on the Somewhere on Tour, but that it was actually kind of a, kind of a letdown because really it's just a gym, you know? So this maybe would be how I would look at Donington after all the years of hearing about Donington, they're going to play Donington, thinking that it's some really magical place. Um, which, you know, it's not. It's, it's a racetrack. But uh, here's, here's the results of my exhaustive research on the Monsters of Rock, because I knew Monsters of Rock as something that, that was what they first called the, the day on the green uh, that Bill Graham did out in California. Uh, Monsters of Rock, I knew mainly because in 88, I believe it was, in the U.S., they put on a Monsters of Rock tour of the U.S. I didn't realize it had anything to do with these other festivals. And it was Van Halen who actually had also played a lot of times on the Monsters of Rock proper. But the Monsters of Rock proper, as I refer to here, for non-Britons, uh, this is a festival that started in 1980 in England, went to 96. You know, there were a couple years that they didn't play it. Uh, but mainly it stayed going until 1996, although pretty early on it started to also be a touring festival in some of the other European countries. Eventually made its way to South America. I mentioned it made its way to the U.S. just that one time. It's also in Russia, 1991, which is believed to be like the largest concert ever, certainly at that time. It's a million people or something. I'm not sure I entirely believe that. But... Uh, the U.S. tour, actually, that I was referring to was in 88, which is the same year as the show that that was recorded here on this single. This was in 1988 as well. And speaking to the touring aspect of this, there was another Monsters of Rock Festival in Germany 
the next week, right after they played England, uh, they went to Germany and they headlined the show there. And then they'd headline it again in 92, which is what makes up the live album Live at Donington. Uh, it's one of the like 35 live albums they put out on the Fear of the Dark tour. Okay, maybe it's a few less, but it feels like it. In 2003, Maiden headlined the first and confusingly named Download Festival at the same location. They've played Download twice since. They're supposed to play it in 2022 if the twice-canceled show ever happens again. But the location that I'm talking about for the original Monsters Rock Festival, and now for the Download Festival, is Donington Park, which is a racetrack located near, but not in, Castle Donington which isn't a castle. It's a village or town, market town, I believe is the right word, in the county of Leicestershire. There was a Donington Castle in the village Castle Donington, but it hasn't been there for centuries. There's another Donington Castle with three N's in the village of Donington, again with three N's, in the county of Berkshire, a hundred miles away. And the castle's still standing, but they don't have a rock festival there, which is only about 20 miles up the road from Reading, which does. And yes, Maiden has played there too. So hopefully that's clear as mud for you. But this show in August 1988 at the Monsters of Rock Festival in Donington was an enormous show and somewhat the last of its kind. There was a over 100,000 people, 107,000 people reportedly at this show in very muddy weather. And the way that Donington was set up and one of the reasons it made it so uh, enjoyable as a concert venue is the land sort of slopes down so that you can see uh, creates almost kind of a bowl. In this case, in August 20th, 1988, two kids died. Uh, at the show during Guns N' Roses set, apparently. Uh, although I don't think anyone connected that it, it was anybody's fault. Uh, but 107,000 people, not great conditions. It'd never be that big again. Uh, the next year, they did not do the show. That's actually when they did the Moscow Peace Festival over in uh, Russia instead. And when they came back to do the show again, it was like 75,000 people. So it was never like that again. But it was a very big show for Maiden. It was a really good homecoming show and playing something, you know, really, really large. And so they recorded and really made a big deal about this concert. And they put out The Clairvoyant, The Prisoner, and Heaven Can Wait all recorded at that show. So this is the third single from the Seventh Son album. And it's been eight months since the record came out. So yes, it's three singles in eight months. Maybe a bit, but I get it. And I'm, I'm very glad because Clairvoyant, of course, is a wonderful, wonderful song. Just one of the highlights of the Seventh Son album. And then to get The Prisoner, on the B-side is incredible because The Prisoner is a tune that all right-minded people love. One of the real great, different, kind of catchier 
Maiden tunes and great harmonies to it. Fantastic stuff. Closed out, if you got the 12-inch, as I've said, with Heaven Can Wait. It's one of my favorite tunes of theirs. It's almost ruined by Bruce doing his sort of verbal chattering at the beginning of the tune, uh, which I think, you know, again, he was probably getting a little bored and trying to keep things interesting for himself. But uh, it's nowhere near as bad as what will be on the next release where they where Heaven Can Wait showed up. And that was on the live video Made in England, released in 1989. And from that, they put out their next single, Infinite Dreams, backed with Killers and Still Life, all live, all recorded, Birmingham, England, at the NEC Arena. This was released November 6th, 1989, two days before the video was released. And this charted on the UK singles chart at number six. So almost exactly one year to the day from the previous single. I think it was actually 364 days after The Clairvoyant was released. They put out Infinite Dreams, Killers, and Still Life. So the tune, Infinite Dreams, is from Seventh Son, but it really, I don't like to think of this as the fourth single from Seventh Son, because it really is to promote this video. And it's great that Infinite Dreams got a chance to be a single, because I think it may be the finest song on Seventh Son, certainly one of the top two or three. It's a little unfortunate for me that it would be uh, in this live version. The live version is fantastic, but that studio version is just unassailable. It's absolute perfection. One of the most phenomenal and different and varied songs that they would ever record. Another problem with this is that Maiden England didn't sound very good. Um, now, I gotta put a caveat on this, that the conditions at which I listened to Made in England were not ideal. This was 1989, which means it was not a DVD. This was still in the VHS air arena. And I'm sure that I was putting a VHS tape into a VCR that was not hooked up to a stereo, but was just playing the music through the tiny TV speaker and everything. So it, you know, it wasn't great, but to be fair, they didn't put out a live album to accompany it. So it's not as though I could have heard a better version particularly. I was stunned actually to find out that Martin Birch produced, engineered, and mixed to the soundtrack. This is something I didn't know until a couple of days ago when I was looking again, at the text on the back of the video. And I have a hard time believing it. I really do. Because I always really had a very negative view of Made in England, the video. And in hindsight, I guess I'm letting my feelings about the video itself influence how I feel about it more than the audio quality. Because Steve Harris directed and edited 
the video and I think it looks absolutely dreadful. It looks so bad. He was going for a style, a look of what it was like to see the show from the perspective of the fans. This doesn't really work. But honestly, the editing isn't the problem with it. It's the actual visuals. And this is not Harris's fault. Unless he just decided not to have proper film cameras and went with camcorders, because that's exactly what it looks like. It just looks like crap. It's so clearly video and not film. And take away anything that he had to do with it. I just think that the overall quality level is just so far below. And as I say, the audio really didn't sound great. Now, I don't know how much to attribute that to the way I was listening to it, because I did put on, they, they would re-release this finally as an album and, you know, a full DVD. And the sound on the DVD is much better. I actually just AB'd that with my old video copy, putting in the new one and saying, you know, I was going to say something in this episode really nasty about the sound of this thing and how the bass in particular sounds very, very clacky and there's no low end to it. And having listened to what they did to it, it seems to me that they did a nice job with this remaster and maybe the original stems that were produced by Martin Birch. Maybe there is some good stuff um, on there. It's just a hard act to follow coming after Live After Death, which is, of course, the all time great live album. I'm not going to go into that again, but there was a lot of setup for that show in order for them to do it. And I just have to wonder, did Birch have the same time? Did he get to set it up the same way? But I'm not I'm not sure exactly what to attribute it to. It does sound a lot better than it did before. But you'd waited an entire year at this point. And Maiden took some time after Seventh Son. And as I say, it was 364 days after the Clairvoyant, which sounds fantastic at Monsters of Rock. And then this just doesn't really stand up to that previous live single. The video itself, as I say, it's a bit of a mixed bag. It's a wonderful show, fantastic set list, great stuff. I do wish that the live document was a bit better filmed, but you get what you, what you can get on that. Interestingly enough, they of course redid this. They did the Made in England World Tour after the phenomenal success of the Somewhere Back in Time tour, which is still the greatest show I've ever seen. And I don't know, it seems like it would have been a good chance to film this show again. They did with Flight 666, which documented the Somewhere Back in Time tour, but not here. A second chance to do right, and you missed it again. It's a pity. It's just would have been kind of nice to have that in there. But they did, as part of this, of course, as I say, put out Made in England, they call it now this time Made in England 88, uh, where they restored some of the tracks because the original video, the original video cassette had 15 tracks on it. They didn't have any of the encores. So when they put this out, they put it, the additional three encore tunes on there, and those were the ones that were on the album.
which is great. And it was a much higher quality. Although, guys, they did have a CD put out. I found this and here's real, real trivial trivia that they did actually in 1994 in England put out a version of the video cassette with a CD. So there actually was a CD attached to it. But that was missing even two more songs because of the length of it. So that was only 13 songs. What a useless bit of trivia, as Nicky would say. Nevertheless, great single, Killers and Still Life. These are great tunes. Still Life, this was the first time that that had been released, and it's a real fantastic tune from the Peace of Mind album. So wonderful to have here. Killers is always a treat. I feel very warm feelings when I think about Iron Maiden's Maiden England video. Even with all the crap I just talked, I just have great memories of being at my friend Tim's house and watching this time and time and time again. Great stuff. So I spent a lot of time on the last one talking about the cover art. I'm not going to go into it too much here. Clairvoyant is pretty good looking. The Maiden England's cover art is probably the definition of phoning it in. There's nothing really on there, which is why it's completely unsurprising that they did a new cover for Maiden England 88, where they did this update of the Trooper artwork. The Listen with Nico in part 10, it's not bad. It's pretty basic. Nico is just so happy to be done with the series. I mean, he you'd think that he was locked in the studio for months, the way he talks about it. So it has a quick story about Donington. Talks a lot of praise about the Made in England video, which was more or less still had the new car smell by the time he was recording this episode. So good stuff. Great release. And that's the first 10 years. It's fantastic stuff. I've really enjoyed going over these and reliving all the enjoyment I got out of these. And I can't wait as we enter the next step we're gonna do series two get into the, where they never were able to get to or never chose to go the second 10 years cheers everyone